0: Welcome into Box Office QBs for another special Nerd Shit Edition. Um, (laughs) What if, Eric, we talked about Venom, Let There Be Carnage? And that's a pun because we have a double feature for the first time in a a long time. We're talking about not only Venom 2, but what if the season finale and the series as a whole. But first, how are you doing tonight, Eric?
1: I'm I'm doing well. A little tired because, you know, I woke up this morning to watch the finale of What If, just so I'm not spoiled, so I'm going to power through it. I like what you did there in the beginning of the in your, in your the intro. I, I saw what you did there.
0: I thought about that the entire way home. I'm like, how can I tie these two episodes <laughs> together? So I appreciate that, but uh, we are going to start tonight uh, with Venom 2, Let There Be Carnage. Uh, both me and Eric uh, saw it opening weekend, and... Eric, I, I'd have to say this movie surprised me. You can't really listen to the to the critics on this one because I had a really good time with it.
1: Honestly, you can't listen to the critics for anything, Any, especially when it comes to a superhero movie. I know critics are important, but go in with an open mind and just the enthusiasm to just judge for yourself because – When I sat through Venom in the beginning, I was just like, "Oh, this movie was this." I I, you know came out with, "Oh, this movie sucks." Oh, this movie's not great. But then when you sit back and think about it, it's just like it's a movie about Venom. Were there funny points? Yes. Was there action? Yes. It's a superhero movie, so it checked all the boxes. I mean, when it comes to like the dialogue and everything, where we never said that this was going to be. Uh, an Academy Award, but it was fun to watch.
0: Yeah, um, I liked it. I, I think I liked it better than the first movie. And um, earlier today, I, I was listening to an interview with uh, Andy Serkis, the director of the movie, and he said that uh, the tone they kind of went for on on this one was uh, kind of in response to the lobster eating scene in the first movie where Eddie Brock jumps into the lobster cage and uh, is like eating a live lobster in the middle of a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, so they just kind of went for that type of vibe throughout this entire hour, 30-minute runtime. And, and I and I dug it. Um, I'm not going to lie. The humor is great. Uh, they They do a lot of kind of romantic comedy tropes in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it comes to Eddie and um, Venom, and I thought that was very clever as well.
1: I completely agree with you. And I was listening to a podcast, uh, the Midnight Boys on the Ringer. Shout out to the Midnight Boys, and they were talking about how, it, like you said, it, it was, it did feel like a rom com, and you could definitely tell that it was a love story between Eddie and his and Venom, the symbiote. Um, they always dropped hints, like to explain how much like they cared about each other. I guess the one part that sticked out to me was when Venom went to the rave and he got on the mic and was just like, I'm out of Eddie's closet. And I was just <laughs> like, oh, okay. All right. This is where like, we're, we're, we're going with this. And, um, it was easily understandable. Um, again, uh, referencing the midnight boys podcast. They talked about how they, they wanted to make it a rom-com and they, 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 nailed that and that I I appreciated it and you touched on the the runtime I thought it was uh it was a perfect runtime at the end of the day it's a movie about venom like I said earlier you don't really need two and a half hours for this um the midnight boys called it a beautiful disaster and I couldn't agree more
0: yeah um I I think I agree with that that statement too but like you said the runtime was perfect and I that's what I was most afraid of going into this movie. Cause when you see an hour, 30 minute movie, you don't really think of uh, quality. Yeah. Like there's, <laughs> yeah, I think like the original ghost rider was like a, an hour and 30 minutes long. So it, that was a little concerning to me. I thought it felt like a complete movie and, and you get a lot more, uh, symbiote action, I think because you just get to it right away and you get to it right out of the gate. Um, so, Eric, we've talked for five minutes now. Normally we go 15, but um, I want to go into full spoilers for this Oh, let's go. Let's right go. now. So, um, this is your last warning. If you've not seen this movie, come back another time and listen to the rest <laughs> of this episode. But, Eric, what is your favorite scenes of this movie?
1: Uh, my favorite scenes? Obviously... I'll start backwards. So my favorite scene was, I definitely liked the fight scene, but it was, it might've been a little bit too long. I liked the rave scene was pretty funny. I also liked the scene where, um, Venom actually, uh, switched bodies and went to Mrs. Chen. I liked that scene because I was wondering where he was at when, um, Ann came to visit and tried to look for him. um, I like that scene. I also like the scene where the scenes where Eddie was interrogating Cletus Cassidy. How about you?
0: Yeah. The, the Mrs. Chen scene was hilarious. Um, I I like that. They, you know, kind of did like, it was like invasion of the body snatchers almost where venom is jumping from person to person. Uh, My favorite scene I would say is uh, the carnage prison break scene because, you know, when Venom first came out, everyone was pushing for an R rating and they didn't know how they could do a movie like this with a PG-13. Uh, this movie really does push things to its limits and it's really pushed to its limits um, in this scene in particular. It's the first time where you see Carnage and it, it it's pretty scary. I'm not going to lie, <laughs> um, especially when he first kind of pops out of uh, the, the, the ejection chair. And then he's uh, shoving his tentacles down that guy's throat. Um, as, close of, as close as close R-rated action a- a- as you can get. And um, I really dug that part of the movie. And they were definitely up against the
1: R-rated rating because they even dropped one F-word. That's it. So um, I, I definitely like... They definitely portrayed Carnage the proper way. Like, he's vicious, unstable... Um, unhinged any one of those adjectives. I like that. Uh, I think, what was her name? Shriek or I forgot. Oh yeah. Shriek. Yeah. Shriek. That's her name. Um, It was, I liked the the dynamic between Cletus and, and um, Shriek because it was just so wacky and crazy that it's like, you know what? These, these two belong together. Um, I liked how they played off each other. I, I also thought, Cletus Cassidy was one of the better parts of the movie. Uh, Woody Harrelson's a great actor, um, and he—I thought he played this role well.
0: Yeah, he really—he really goes for crazy uh, in a big way. I thought the most creative kind of thing in this movie was how they told Cletus Cassidy's backstory, which is it's super violent in the in the comics, and they mention it in the movie. He killed his mom. He killed his grandma. Um, But they do it in animated form here, and I I really like that decision, because that's how you kind of get out of R-rated territory, as you go for an animated kind of uh, backstory like this, but um, you don't show any blood in anything like that. Mm
1: -hmm. The one thing, though, about Woody Harrelson's character, or or Cletus, Cletus Cassidy and Woody Harrelson portraying him, that... Um, the Midnight Boys also pointed out that I realized, like, you know what? This is definitely uh, this movie's going to definitely put you in for a ride. Is that the in the beginning when they were explaining his backstory and they went to a young Cletus Cassidy, they had Woody Harrelson's voice as Venom. Yeah. And you would think that they would find a younger actor to play that and do that. But they were just like, you know what? Forget it. Just have Woody Harrelson voice him as an adult but as a 15-year-old.
0: That so. was super distracting, I'm not going to yeah, lie.
1: <laughs> that's exactly how you do. Like, wait a minute, okay. All right, that, All right. That, this
0: that, is... Yeah, it's like on Fast 9 uh, when they did Young Vin Diesel. If they just dubbed that guy's voice with Vin Diesel, yeah. voice, it would have <laughs> been very distracting. Yeah. Um, there, are some, there are some kind of dumb scenes in here. I'm not going to lie. It's a Venom movie. Like, what do you expect? Mm-hmm. But... Um, yeah, like, like like you mentioned earlier, uh, the other scene I want to talk about is the ending because I did like the ending, but I hated one part of it, and I think you probably know which part that is. Um, it was the decision to kill off Cletus Cassidy after one movie, mm-hmm. and I didn't really agree with that, especially after seeing the post credit scene uh now i kind of think that it was a little bit of a missed opportunity uh for the world that sony is building and the potential of what might happen in the mcu in the hey, future.
1: hey you're getting you're getting to you're getting hey, hey we will cross that bridge when we get to it no just kidding <laughs> but, but yeah uh, I, um yeah i agree i didn't think the smart move was to kill cletus cassidy um <laughs> Uh, Like the in all superhero movies, if they want to show you someone is going to die and not come back, they'll show you someone is going to die and not come back. Like Shriek, she had the bell fall on her. We don't know if she's dead, but when it came to Cletus Cassidy, Venom literally ate his head. So it's like, okay, Cletus Cassidy is not coming back. I think they could use him, I think they could have expanded on his story and continue to keep him around. I don't know. I don't know what. The contract situation is for Woody Harrelson, but I mean, if he wanted to come back, I'm pretty sure they would let him come back. But um, they uh, when it comes to world building, you know, if this is a part of the MCU, we already know about variants, so they can always bring him back.
0: So that's true. That's true, and we'll get more into that in our, our what if segment of of this episode. But in that interview with Andy Serkis um, from comicbook.com that I listened to, um, he touched on the death of Cletus Cassidy in this movie and said, maybe somewhere in there, um, a little remnant of carnage is floating around in that church. Can't bring his head back. Oh, we know where it's at. Yeah, we know where the head's at. But could it bring back Cletus Cassidy in some other way or fashion? I think a variant probably makes more sense. Um, you also get a tease to another symbiote at the end of this movie, and that's with the cop, yep. Um, whose whose name I forget, but that cop in the comics uh, becomes Toxin, who is another um, offspring of Venom, and I think that's where they're going with the third movie. Yeah,
1: I I think the cop's name is Mulligan, pa- Patrick Mulligan, I think.
0: Um, that's it. Yeah.
1: Um. Yeah, and, and again, it comes to the world building. I I. I think Carnage might be, the Carnage symbiote went, uh, bonded a little bit with Mulligan and again with Toxin. And then just like I was doing, like looking it up. So apparently Spider-Man and Venom in the comics had teamed up to fight Toxin. So this, the world building, you can definitely see it in this movie.
0: Yeah, like all these elements are kind of all in front of us right now um, after seeing this. But here is the scene we have to talk about, Eric. Uh, It's the final scene after the credits, and Mm. it's what everyone was hoping for. Mm. Venom and Eddie Brock are in some tropical hotel on a beach somewhere. Um, And Venom tells him, hey, you know, I've been around for... You know, millions of years, and I could show you things that might break your mind. And before he does that, um, he's transported to a different version of the hotel room uh, that they're in. And what's playing on the screen? It's J. Jonah Jameson from the end of Spider Man Far From Home, um, where he reveals that Peter Parker is Spider Man, and Eddie Brock Venom goes up to the TV. Licks the screen, roll credits.
1: He says, that's the guy. At least that's just, the guy. And what I'm wondering is what what does Venom know about Spider-Man or the Symbiote know about Tom Hall, Peter Parker that like we don't know? And which is what is interesting, I went full blown conspiracy theory. I think, again, when I was listening to the Midnight Boys, they brought up a good point. They said that. They feel one that this was probably the most important post credit scene in superhero comic book movies, probably, uh, ever. And I tend to agree with them. Probably the only one I think tops this one is the first Iron Man when we actually found out, like, oh snap, they're building the Avengers. But, um, this has this is definitely up there. Top two, top three most important. Post-credit scene teaser um, in comic book movie history. Um, Because again, it's the world building that they're doing. Because it it seems, uh, they brought up the, the Midnight Boys also brought up a good point that it seems like this is, it's not more or less bringing Venom and everybody into the MCU, but more of bringing Tom Holland back over to Sony. So. As Sony tries to build their Spider-Man universe, they can't do it without Spider-Man. So this is the way that they can do it, and if it and if it means continuing to do these handshake deals, which is beneficial for both uh, Sony and Marvel, um, that they should continue to do it until you can't do it anymore because Spider-Man is too important. One to Sony. And two, to the MCU because of the stories that Spider-Man has been intertwined in, whether it be the relationship with Tony Stark, whether it be, oh, he might be in the next Avengers. He's looking to evolve and grow as a leader. The MCU has put too much stock into the Spider-Man franchise or or just what he means to the MCU that it's just like you can't just allow him to leave the MCU. So, this, 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 this post-credit scene opened up so many doors, and people have so many questions.
0: Yeah, and going forward, there's two important movies coming out in regards to the Sony universe and uh, the MCU. That would obviously be Spider-Man: No Way Home, uh, which we've talked about many times on the show but also Morbius, which has been delayed a million times. But in that trailer, you saw Michael Keaton's Vulture uh, coming back. So the way I see it is the Sony movies are going to mention the MCU vaguely, but it's only the Spider-Man movies that can full-blown play in the sandbox. Um it's interesting the contracts and everything that you mentioned about what Sony can and can't do, but I'm just excited to see if venom now is going to show up in Spider-Man no way home.
1: And uh, another thing that I found out that was great that the podcast I listened to the midnight boys brought up was that you also can, this also kind of ties into Thor for a little bit because God the Butcher, who Christian Bale apparently I think is playing the villain in Thor 4, has a weapon that was created on the planet of the symbiotes. So there's just so many connections in this one post credit scene that these two companies can just take and run with. And it's like so many doors can be opened. Do you give back? Do Do you allow... Peter Parker's, uh, Tom Holland's Peter Parker to to um, go back to the to go back to Sony, but then but then does that bring up? Oh, we can if you we give you Tom Holland, then that means we can have Miles Morales because Miles Morales was already mentioned in the first Spider Man, and it's just like with the success with well into the Spider Verse and everything, it's like maybe we can get a live action Miles Morales at least for the MCU so that they can build on their own and they don't need. Tom Holland Spider Man anymore. It's just again, like I said, this is probably one of the most important post credit scenes in in comic book history.
0: Yeah the the possibilities are kind of infinite now of what we can do uh, with the Marvel and, and Spider Man characters uh, moving forward. Speaking of characters, Eric, I think it's time for us to uh, get to our favorite characters of this movie. Who do you like the most?
1: Uh, who do I like the most? That's a good question. I think I'm gonna have to go with Venom. I think, and I mean, I and voiced by Tom Hardy, so by default, Eddie Brock too. But I, I think I'm gonna have to go with Venom. He had the quips. He had the charisma. Um, I one of the also my favorite parts in the movie was when was also in the trailer when Venom realizes, like, oh, Carnage is a red one, and he's like, wait a minute, <laughs> I, I, you know what? I'm not, I don't want to, I don't want to mess with them. It was kind of like it, it to me, it seemed like a good callback of uh Infinity War when the Hulk didn't want to come out, but uh, he never came out, but at least Eddie was just like, you know what? If you come out, I'll let you eat everybody, and then Venom was just like, all right, let's go. Um, <laughs> so I think that. Uh, Venom was probably my favorite. Then I'll probably go Eddie Brock 2, uh, Anne, uh, Cletus Cassidy, Carnage, and then Anne.
0: Yeah, I think we're going to have a similar list here. I'm going to go Venom number one. Uh, he's just funny. Uh, the rave scene. I thought I was going to hate the rave scene, honestly, yeah. when I saw it uh, as a clip, but I really ended up enjoying that. Um, And especially when Venom's jumping from person to person, I I found it pretty, pretty funny. Um, Eddie Brock is number two. Tom Hardy uh, just does a really good job kind of playing a guy who is living with a parasite. Uh, There's that breakfast scene where they're eating all Mm -hmm. this crap Um, and Venom loves chocolate. That's the other thing. Um, and like their apartment's a mess. Uh, they have two pet chickens named Sonny and Cher. <laughs> the whole thing is hilarious. Um, he's number two for me. Number three is going to be Cletus Cassidy. I thought, you know, Oh, well, Peyton has some opinions on that, he but
1: is, he hears venom.
0: yeah, he, um, he acts like venom actually, um, <laughs> a lot of the time, but, uh, For a kid that grew up in the 90s and watched the 90s Spider-Man TV series on Fox, um, actually seeing Cletus Cassidy on screen and Venom, or not Venom, Carnage, was a dream come true for me. So he's going to be three. Uh, Four is probably going to be, yeah, we're going to have the same exact list here. (laughs) I like Anne. She was funny. Uh, Good romantic interest. And I like the fact that uh, Venom the symbiote is in love with her. Mm -hmm. Uh, I thought that was very funny, too.
1: Yeah, we got we got the same list. So who were the characters that you disliked?
0: Honestly, I wasn't really a fan of Shriek. I I just thought that she was kind of shoehorned in there. I felt she could probably have been a a villain in her own movie. Like if you were to make her the villain of of Venom 3, I think that would have worked. I just kind of wanted this to be Cletus Cassidy's story. Um, she just didn't land for me.
1: Yeah, yeah the only, one problem I had with Shriek was that yeah, like yeah, we she can scream loud and like that effect, but it's like how did she get this? And uh, like how did she get this way? It was just like when they went to Cletus' class backstory, they just showed him getting jumped and then Shriek coming to save him, and they've been in love ever since. It's just like okay, why why was she like that? And how did she get her powers? Um. I think they could have fleshed it out. But also, again, I don't think they could have uh, been playing Devil's Advocate. I don't think they, if they flesh it out, then the movie would not be an hour and 30 minutes. So that's true.
0: That is true. Um, I guess the the honorable mention, I, I guess it'll be the cop Mulligan. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he was a fine character. I, I'm more excited about his future yes. um, in this universe than what he did in this movie. So uh, I'll put him as an honorable mention.
1: I I also didn't like Dan
0: because he's getting in the way of Venom's love for Ann. That's true. I thought Dan was going to die in this movie. Me too. I was like, Carnage is going to kill him. And then Eddie and Venom and Anne are all going to live happily ever after. Yeah. Time's up, Dan. Next one day, one day, one day, just get out of here. Just get out of here. Um, all right. So now is the moment of truth. Uh, what's what is your final score for venom let there be carnage
1: my final score if would you want to refresh it for our viewers who if they, for our listeners if they're just listening to our listening to it for the first time if
0: what yeah. how do we score it so all star is the highest of honors you can get obviously we're a a sports show too so we got to bring in sports puns to this um all star or no, Hall of Fame would be the the top, then All-Star, then Starter. It's like, hey, I enjoyed this movie, but it's not the greatest. And then Bench is obviously, uh, you're probably never going to watch this ever again. <laughs> so, with those ratings, I think
1: I'm going to make this movie a starter. We touched on it, how the runtime, we were, honestly, it felt like we were in, uh, my girlfriend and I were in and out of the theaters. Um Venom was a charismatic character, a fun character. Always, when he was on screen, I was just like, "Okay, I'm going to make sure I pay attention." Uh, obviously, it had its flaws. Again, we touched on with <laughs> with um, Woody Harrelson voicing a 15 year old. We touched on the flesh uh, shriek not being fleshed out. Uh, to me, I thought the final the final fight was a tad bit too long, but um. Other than that, it was it was it was a fun movie, especially compared to Venom One. Um, it was a lot more. Uh, I thought it seemed a lot more cohesive and lighthearted, but um, it was also more fun to watch. And, and again, compared to Venom One, like I went into the theater, I was just like, "Wait, what happened in Venom One?" At least in this one, whenever the third one comes out, I'll be like, "Okay, I know what happened in the second one." So yeah, I'll give it a starter. How about you?
0: Yeah, I think I can't go above a starter. Um, and like you said, this is so much better than Venom 1. In, in Venom 1, And the CGI is a lot better, too. We haven't really touched on that because oh, yeah, in yeah, Venom yeah. 1, um, it was like a mess of CGI tentacles getting tangled together. Um, <laughs> is kind of what it was. It was like the Transformers thing when it's like, which robot is which? That's kind of <laughs> how I felt with the symbiotes in that. Um, it's probably a high starter. I I enjoy this a lot more than I expected to. And I think that's just like my my childhood actually seeing Venom and Carnage fight on the big screen. So if you enjoyed the first Venom, you're really going to like this one, I would say. Um, And I would recommend it. If you're going for something serious, this isn't the Dark Knight. This isn't... Oh, no. Yeah, it's nothing like that. So, I mean, temper your expectations a little bit, but I I have really nothing horrible to say about this movie, and I'll probably watch it again. And never
1: forget, in the first one, they called them symbiotes. That's right. <laughs> yeah, just like, that's when you knew. I was like, okay, here we go. We're in for <laughs> yeah. a whole bunch of mess in this movie. But yeah, this second one was a lot more fun.
0: Yeah. Well, speaking of the multiverse that opened in this movie, Eric, uh, the, the multiverse in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is wide open. And, uh, this week was the season one finale of what if, and, um, you know, we've been going crazy about this show in the group chat for months now. Mm -hmm. Um, today was the the cherry on top. Um, they brought back Ultron. They brought back all the characters to do their kind of, um, was it multiverse Avengers or the guardians of the The multiverse at the end here? Yeah. Um first of all, what did you think about the finale? I,
1: I, at first, Glenn, at when I first watched it, I thought it was, okay, it, it was a finale. I, I, again, like in the group chat, we were texting. Um, I thought that, you know, with Marvel, I always thought that there would be another twist. But they just wrapped a bow on it. And it's just like, you know what? They, they, they finished up any plot holes. They wrapped the storylines up. There didn't need to be a twist at the end of this or... Something like at the end of WandaVision, where we had Wanda hit listening to her kids, or the Falcon and the Winter Soldier when, uh, Catal- Catalina? Oh, it? Valentina. Yeah. Valentina. I don't know why I said Catalina. Valentina, um, talking to a U.S. Agent, and we we didn't need that. What if just wrapped a nice, pretty little bow on it? And and I like the finale. the The Ultron fight with the Guardians of the Multiverse, I thought was amazing. The animation was beautiful. Um, honestly, these last two episodes probably might be the best two episode stretch so far of the Disney Plus shows. Like, it had me invested. I was like, throughout the week, I was just like, I can't wait for the finale because of what happened in episode eight. Um, the they 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 did a good job with the with the finale,
0: and I, I liked it. How about you? Yeah, I liked it a lot, too. Uh, I really like this version of Ultron. This is, you, you know, I don't think Age of Ultron was as bad of a movie as people say it is. Um, I just think, you know, it had a lot of world building in that that kind of got in the way. But I prefer this version of Ultron where he's this all powerful thing and giving him the infinity stones just made him scary. Mm-hmm. Um and I, I like that. I like the group of um, heroes that they collected. Uh, the Gamora thing was a little um, out of left field. And I read about that today. It's they, they did have a Gamora episode planned for this season, but it was delayed because of COVID stuff. Um, I guess they couldn't get the voice actors together or whatever. But um, other than that, you know, seeing T'Challa Star-Lord again and hearing Chadwick Boseman yeah, uh, w- was great. That was my favorite part of it because he was my favorite character of the season, and I, I I thought you know if this is the last time we really do see or hear him, um, I thought it was a fitting um, tribute to him. Oh,
1: it was, and it and it it even sucks now that the news came out. Now you shared the article that that they were even planning a spinoff for that character, and that would have been so amazing to like watch and experience, but um. I like T'Challa, Star Lord, a lot. I guess my, I think my favorite character probably might have been Doctor Strange Supreme, because man, oh man, is he powerful! Like I was like, imagine if they translate this Doctor Strange into live action. Like he is literally, he could do anything. It almost, yeah, I
0: was. I was so I was happy when he came back because I thought he was just going to be straight up evil and trapped in that prison. Yeah. But he's like summoning these monsters and turning into monsters and giving um, all the other multiverse Avengers uh, this protective armor. Um, he he is a very cool character, too. If he showed up in Doctor Strange, 2, I'd probably lose my mind.
1: I honestly I'm standing here now. I think. Doctor Strange Supreme is the Doctor Strange in No Way Home. So I just want to see how I mean they did say that these shows are canon, so I, I, I would like to see how they which ones they pick and which ones are intertwined in the live action films and other T V shows. But I, I I enjoyed this series of what if. I mean from to me it started off a little bit slow. Um I don't think it picked up I like the T'Challa Starlord episode, but I think it picked up more when um, the episode with um, Hank Pym killing the Avengers, and then it went to Doctor Strange Supreme's episode, and then from uh, from episode three, it just took off. But um, yeah, like I I think What If might be, it's hard to rank them too. So I think they were all these series were good in their own right.
0: Yeah, I I. Th- You you know, I really like the zombie episode. I think that one is uh, one of the most creative ones. These two, these two final episodes of season one, though, I think are definitely the best just because like the Avengers lose in part Mm -hmm. one, more so than they did in infinity war because the entire universe is gone for the most part after uh, uh, the first episode of this two part finale. Um, I really like the watcher and how ultron became self-aware oh yeah that was that was the craziest twist i think of the whole entire season where you just think the watcher is you know living safe. up to his name he's just yeah. watching but he's then safe. he gets dragged into it and you don't expect that um that was a great uh marvel twist that uh we have come to uh know and love but yeah as far as you know this being canon moving forward um i have heard rumors you take it with a grain of salt that um captain carter is going to show up in doctor strange 2 um which i'm down for that was probably mm-hmm. my least favorite character in this uh series but i am down for this to be canon
1: and i know you you i just going back i know you touched on how ultron was the perfect villain in the last two episodes last three honestly because he was teased at the party at the end of the party thrower episode but um yeah like I, I if this was the ultron that we got in age of ultron i don't know how they win so it's just like that's the that's the beauty of what if like it allows the it allows marvel to just go crazy it's like i i know in uh in other podcasts that i know we i i touched on the fact that man maybe like being able to open up the multiverse gives us the ability to like see things that we probably might've not been able to see if these shows or if this concept wasn't introduced. Like I know, um, one of those was what happens if like Ultron won, and we got to see it. And like, that was pretty cool to me.
0: Yeah. Like, uh, y- you know, I was like, th- this would have been cool if it was live action, but I don't think you can do a live action version of this show. Uh, it would be too expensive because they're they're like their own little thirty minute movies, yeah, uh, packed in there. But um, to kind of wrap up uh, this portion, who who are your favorite characters um, throughout the series? Uh, I know there's a lot of them, but um, yeah, who 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 kind of stood out to you?
1: Oh, definitely. Uh like, I know I, I brought it up earlier. Definitely Doctor Strange Supreme. Um I definitely like the watcher, Jeffrey Wright, man. He he got the finale today, got no time to die coming out this Friday. So shout out Jeffrey Wright. Um uh I like I like Natasha's character. Um I also like Killmonger's character and T'Challa Star Lord.
0: Yeah, I would say uh, the Star Lord's probably my favorite, and then Ultron, oh. just because it's like the ultimate version. This is like the the comic accurate robot who hates everybody. Yeah, um, when he slices Thanos in half, when Thanos comes through that portal, that just blew my mind. Yeah, it was I was just, just like, so Whoa. crazy.
1: <laughs> yeah. I was like, wait a minute, you couldn't do this in the live action movie.
0: Yeah, I think I sent you guys that meme where yeah. Wanda's like, "Where, where was this the whole time?" <laughs> yeah, um, yeah that that was a great character. Um, yeah, Natasha was great in this series. It was a more fitting <laughs> finale for her than Black Widow because I have to take my shots every episode, but nah, that's um, my shot. Um, nah, man, you got you you've been
1: you've been hating on Black Widow. I can't let this Black Widow slander continue. But I guess the one thing I guess I hope in season two. Um, I don't know how difficult or easy it might be, but I think more of the characters that we see in season two kind of have to be the actors that play them in live action because there were at times it would be a little jarring when you see a character and you expect it to be a voice, but it doesn't end up being that voice. So it's just like, especially when you have a group like, all right, Dr. Strange Supreme is there. You have all, you have... Which is Benedict Cumberbatch? You have uh, Michael B. Jordan voicing Killmonger. You have um, Haley Atwell voicing Captain Carter. Thor, uh, Chris Hemsworth voicing Thor. So you're ex- uh, T'Challa, Star Lord, uh, Chadwick Boseman voicing him, and you're expecting to hear uh, Scarlett Johansson for Black Widow, but it's not. And sometimes it just you just uh, I don't know. It's a li- it's jarring for a little bit, but then you get used to it but hopefully I think it's season two that they get more of the live action actors and actresses voicing the characters.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. The, the Tony Stark one was the one that threw me off the most. Cause I really had to force myself to like that one. And it yeah. didn't even really look like Robert Downey Jr. No.
1: Um,
0: and he died every episode. So if you're except still traumatized, yeah, except for the last one, but if you're traumatized over Endgame, still, this is not the series for you. Cause he oh, literally yeah. dies. 10 of the 11 episodes. Yeah, seriously. Um. Yeah, a- any more thoughts about What If before we go,
1: Eric? I, I, I enjoyed What If, and again, I'm just interested to see how they tie these stories into the grander scheme of the MCU.
0: Yeah, me too. Um, when we start seeing these characters pop up in the movies, I'm going to... I'm going to lose my mind in the theater Um, and I think it's probably going to happen with Spider-Man no way home, but there, there's a lot of exciting stuff happening right now. Um, Not only in the comic book world, but uh, the sports world as well. Um, We're going to be back with um, probably some horror episodes sometime soon because it is Halloween. Um, But then we're also going to be talking about the NFL, uh, probably the world series, all that stuff coming up. Um, until then, um, we will see you guys next week and, uh, we hope you have a good week. See you soon. Take care.